Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome in to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm your host, Tim Kalinowski of Action Network, and I'm joined by BCS themselves, the heartbeat of our college football coverage. We got Brett McMurphy back, Colin Wilson, Stucky. And by the way, we will get to Maction at the end of the pod, uh, games on Tuesday and games on Wednesday. So stick around for that. If you're here for the Maction, it's at the end, but... Before then, we have much, much more to talk about. And gents, I guess we'll just start. There's a lot to cover on and off the field. A lot of great conversations. Heisman's heating up. A lot of bettable or possibly bettable actions as the discussion heats up. But just quickly, a lot of us on this show had some Penn State futures. And those officially went down the drain as uh, Michigan beats Penn State 24 to 15 uh, Michigan covers as well. So uh, Colin and Stucky, I know for you guys at first, probably maybe Colin, uh, as we mourn the loss of our Penn State futures that we ripped those tickets up. How does that feel? Yeah, we do. We have to rip them up and we have to acknowledge uh, that Ohio State and Michigan are better teams. It's it's shocking for me because this team, in my opinion, had the talent on defense to be one of the best in the nation. The offense, I never questioned Mike Yurisich ever in his coaching career, whether it was here at Penn State or the season he had at Texas. But more importantly, he had one season at Ohio State and a whole bunch at Oklahoma State where he was one of the best offensive coordinators in the nation. It shocked me for seven, eight games that this offense was not explosive at all, considering the two returners you had in the backfield for the at running back and 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 Drew Aller has the arm strength to throw it downfield. I mean, you only blame the players so much, but it, it, you know, if Mike Yurisich is out, either it's James Franklin saving his job for losing again to Michigan Ohio State, or there are actual real problems with the offense and they just didn't see eye to eye anymore. But uh I, I thought the offense would be the least of the problems this year. But you know, we tear it up and, and we move on. Oh, we're dead. Yeah, we're we're dead. Stucky, how's it feel? Uh, I mean, I didn't really care. I mean, I told Colin about two months ago that they have no chance to win at all. Uh, I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, 25, 30 to one shot. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that, and, you know, it came down to a, a game where if they would have won that game, they're favored to make the big 10 championship. Uh, they actually just clinched the tiebreaker because Northwestern <laughs> beat uh, upset Wisconsin. So if they would have won that game as a, you know, four and a half point dog, they're probably going to the Big Ten Championship and then probably going to the college football playoff. But it wouldn't have mattered. With that offense, they're not winning the national title. So uh, I was mad that I lost my bet, but uh, I've written Penn State off a long time ago. They just don't. They just well, my bet, my bet was just to make the playoff. So the game was a little bit, the game was a little bit bigger for me. I knew the national title thing. I never had a ticket on, but I mean, still just a disappointment all around. Yeah. And, and I, Aller Heisman, I think you did too, Colin. Like it's just, it never got started. It was like it it never, never got going. And we thought the tiebreaker would actually be the, the hardest part of the whole thing. And they clinched that. So, Brett, I'll bring you in here. You know, I don't think you had as much invested in Penn State as uh, the others here. But what you make of what went down and <laughs> just James Franklin cannot, you know, action tweeted the, the graphic one in something against top five teams, one in 10, one in 12, whatever it was. What, what the what the hell do we make of this? 
Yeah, I think he's four and sixteen against Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, I had that absolutely zero invested on Penn State uh, futures, so it it didn't matter to me. But you know, kind of like what Colin said about Yurcich, it's funny these these offensive coordinators when they're at other schools, how successful they are, and then they get to a school where they're kind of handcuffed on what they're allowed to do. And I think that's an example. I think Garrett Riley at Clemson, how can he go from what he did at TCU to now what's going on at Clemson? I don't think that's simply a talent difference. I think that's a coaching philosophy. And, you know, Colin mentioned Franklin saving his job. I don't think Franklin's on the hot seat or anything, but um, what a way to kind of cool the heat, I guess, before it builds to that is to make some changes um, on the offensive coordinator front. So, We'll have to see. I think if, if if I remember correctly, this will be a sixth offensive coordinator in not so happy Valley. So we'll see what what the 2024 edition of, of Penn State looks like. And Brady's facing his old offensive coordinator this weekend. So uh <laughs> should be quite interesting. Yeah. The the uh just a follow-up to that, Brett, because you know, it, we didn't need the Clemson ricochet shot, you know. But look, it, Dabo did say <laughs> too easy. Uh, <laughs> Dabo did say when people when a lot of heat was on Garrett Riley and the offense looking stagnant, he said, I didn't bring Riley in to run Riley's offense. I bring him brought him in to run Clemson's offense. Dumb question. Do these offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, do they not ask ahead of time, hey, are you going to handcuff me or am I here to run my offense? Like, how does that even get to that point with they can go these coordinators can go to any school they want and, and that'll have them. And uh, how does how does that happen? So, Tim, I know you're like literally like two hours after you just graduated from high school, and that's actually a compliment. He's just a baby. But so when you go on your next job interview and they tell you, okay, this is what the job's like, and you say, can I do this, this, and this? And they're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Perfect. We'd love to have you. And then as soon as you sign on the dotted line, they're like, okay, and you try to do this, then they're like, wait, no, no, we don't do it that way. You do it this way. You're already locked in. So I'm exaggerating, obviously, but I think that's part of it. Um, money plays a big part. But if if Dabo, you know, said we didn't bring Riley in to run TCU's offense, we brought him in to run Clemson's offense, then why did you make a change from your previous coordinator? If he was running Clemson, if you're just going to run Clemson's offense, then what Tim, you could be the offensive coordinator. So yeah, I don't I don't mean to make this an anti-Clemson podcast, but yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. That's let me give you two... let him know he's getting fired by the way <laughs> let me give you two head coaching... you check don't check your email two head coaching i don't situations. i don't don't worry what oh, colin well there's two head coaching situations with two new offensive coordinators and they have completely different results texas a&m has now fired jimbo fisher i don't think bobby petrino ever had any say on fourth downs third downs i, I think the big decisions all fell on jimbo because there were still problems in that offense when it came down to money downs so you see what it's like when you hire somebody as smart as Bobby Petrino on the offensive side and you kind of handcuff them. Look what Barry Odom is doing at UNLV. Brennan Marion is the inventor of the go-go offense. He comes in there. It is the most wild formations, motion. It, there's so much crap moving around pre-snap. I don't know how any Mountain West defense can keep up with it. Brennan Marion's going to have a big-time job. But at the same time, Tim, like he could go be Clemson's next offensive coordinator and he's going to get handcuffed. He could be with Jim wherever Jimbo goes and be handcuffed. So you look at two different situations there. Barry Odom elected to allow his offensive coordinator to do whatever he wanted. And it was a different with Petrino at AM. And also, Colin, Petrino was UNLV's offensive coordinator. Yeah. He left at the last minute to go to AM. And I talked to Barry Odom about that. He was very disappointed. He was shocked and, you know, kind of, uh, unanswered prayers there kind of worked out for the best for for UNLV and not so great for uh for AM and Petrino I'm glad we went down that I'm glad we went down that because we, we learned something and it, it, I guess you know the Franklin situation it, it wasn't this happens other places too but you just you scratch your head with the amount of talent they had one, one team that has plenty of talent on the offensive side of the ball LSU Jaden Daniels just an incredible performance over 600 yards of offense 300 plus passing 200 plus rushing five touchdowns on this podcast. We don't talk about Heisman or we try not to, till it gets towards the end because we know the formula 
one of the best players or the best player on the best team, an undefeated team or close to it. So Stucky Daniels is now four to one to win the Heisman at BetMGM. Bo Nix, the favorite at plus 100 with our algorithm and our formula, the way we get here, does Daniels have a legitimate shot? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, I mean, what's his Heisman moment going to be beating the shit out of Georgia state this weekend? Um, Like there's, they played Georgia state and Texas A&M to close out the year. Uh, I just don't see it. You have Knicks and, and Penix who basically control their own destiny. You also have Marvin Harrison Jr. I think has a better chance. Although at his price point, I would just parlay like, you know, Ohio state money line, Marvin Harrison to score a touchdown and Marvin Harrison over yards. Right. Cause like he could win it if he just goes bananas in an upset win over Michigan. All right. And he basically wins the game by himself. Um, so yeah, I just, I just don't, Daniels is putting up insane numbers, but I just don't think LSU is relevant enough and he's not going to have a big moment. I mean, he got hurt against Alabama in a loss. Um, and what is the other, you know, they lost Ole Miss. They lost to Florida state. There's no Heisman moment and that's not going to change down the stretch, uh, against Georgia state and Texas A&M to close out the year. Yeah. Um, Harrison plus four fifty on bet MGM. So that, um, yeah, I would take some... him over Daniels because he he has an opportunity. Um, you know, you'd have to have Knicks and Panic slip up. Uh, and then you have to beat Michigan. Um, and then you have to go off in that game. That's a path for Harrison, um, who I think is going to be there regardless in New York. But um, I, I think because of that game against Michigan, an undefeated Michigan team, I would take Harrison over uh daniels but like i said i think like a harrison same game parlay would pay out more against michigan duck i agree with everything you just said and i hope to god you're wrong um if there was ever a year to give it to a guy based on what he's done for this season the most outstanding player in college football it's Jaden daniels hand down hands down i mean you you laid it out perfectly why he won't win but he should win. And that's what sucks about this award. We should just rename it to instead of the Heisman, it should be best quarterback on a team ranked in the top eight that has a great play on national TV the last two weeks of the season trophy. And then give the Heisman to actually the best player. Because Jaden Daniels has been incredible. And I and look, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm doing a 180 on everything I've said up to up to this point all year long. But he, I think he has proven on the field to be such a difference maker that, you know, it's, he'll get to New York, but it's sad that, I, I agree with you, Stuck, you're right. It's sad that he doesn't have a shot because they didn't win the West. They're not going to play in the SEC title game, but he has put up some monster, monster numbers we've never seen before. And, um, but Stuck, you're right. He probably has no shot, but he should win it. And you know we, you're not allowed to to announce who you're voting for before um, you vote. So I'm not saying who I'm going to vote for. But if I had to vote today, and I don't vote today, I vote in two weeks or three weeks. But if I voted today, Jane Daniels would be atop my ballot. When do we vote again? Uh, I forget the date. Is it after conference championship again? It's you've got till um, Monday, five p.m. after the conference championship game. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like. To me, Washington, Oregon is the most likely Pac-12 championship. Like that's probably just going to be the the plan if they don't slip up. Like Arizona sold the path to the Pac-12 title. Like Oregon, it's going to come back. Oregon State. If you have Harrison or uh, or if you bet on Daniels, I think those are probably the only two other guys that can win it. McCarthy's now dead uh, after not even attempting a pass um, in the second half, but against Penn state. But if you have them, you, you, you basically just need to become a big Oregon state fan. So you need Oregon state to beat Washington, Oregon state to beat Oregon. Um, and then there's a chance where, you know, you have Arizona, then you become an Arizona fan. You have Arizona in the PAC 12 title. Um, and the you can join the Stucky fan club against yeah. Washington. And then Arizona beats Washington. And then you, you might've eliminated Knicks and Penix. And if Ohio State loses to Michigan, then maybe that's Daniels' path. But that's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. Uh, Colin, we going to go three for three here on the on the feeling and that um, kind of can't win it, but wish he could. 
Yeah, I echo. Actually, crazy enough, uh, Jaden Daniels was my number three selection on my Heisman ballot last year. I think I was one of the few people that voted for him when I saw the final results. It's just because of how many touchdowns, you know, all-purpose touchdowns he can put up. He's doing the same right now. I mean, from a passing perspective, he's, you know, right in the mix with the rest of the guys. He he does have a little bit too many turnover-worthy plays. Uh, but, I mean, come on, it's just – you know, uh, trying to find holes in his game right now. He is the best looking quarterback on film. It's not even close. The problem is, is that highlight reels move odds and championships and births into the college football playoff is what wins the Heisman. So sadly, he doesn't have a chance to do any of that. But I mean, he <laughs> I mean, it's it's the most electric thing you'll see on film this year from a quarterback position. Um, sadly enough, he won't be playing on conference championship weekend. He won't be in the college football playoff and that it hurts his odds and he should be well behind Marvin Harrison Jr., not in the same area as him in the odds board. Hey, all I know is if you guys really want to get drunk the last two weeks of the season, just anytime any of the TV commentators doing the game mentions Heisman Trophy with whatever game they're televising, take a drink. You'll be in you'll be in a freaking ER over the weekend. I actually think that if you want to take a shot right now, I, I see what you did there to bet somebody like McCarthy's at a hundred to one. He should be at like a million to one, but um, <laughs> the, if you want to take a shot right now and like some of those things happen that I just talked about, like there's chaos in the pack 12. I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to see Jordan Travis doing it. The Florida state just played. I mean, like they, Florida state could play Pack in the ACC title, by the way, that's a, that's a scenario that's uh, alive. And Colin has caught on this before. It would be, over the past few weeks, it's Jalen Milrow. Uh, he is playing so much better now. And, you know, he's going to have a, a marquee game in the Iron Bowl. And they're going to play Georgia in the SEC Championship. Talk about a, a potential, you know, Heisman bonus. So there's other chaos. And he's in the, what, I don't know, 50, 60 to 1 range. 50 um, to 1 bet MGM right now. Yeah, I would much rather have Milrow at 50 to 1 than Daniels at 4 to 1 right now. Uh, any day of the week because um, Milrow has looked really impressive. That offense has figured out some things and, you know, he'll have a chance in back-to-back weekends in high profile games against Auburn. And the most importantly against a Georgia team that wouldn't have lost in three years. If he wins the SEC championship, like it'll get interesting. A guy that couldn't see the field against USF, but <laughs> it's an incredible story to say the least. Brett, just quickly, I want to get your opinion you said it's unfortunate that it is this way. Why did it get this way? When did it get this way? Because I feel like I don't remember it being this egregious and maybe it's a, a function of the year in college football that we're having it's, with. Yeah. I think Tim, I just think it's social media. I think it's every game's, you know, televised. Everybody wants results immediately. Um, that's why coaches are fired after one year. Nobody wants to be patient. So it's forget about, the entire season, it, it's somebody, somebody wants a moment, somebody wants a Heisman moment. And that's just kind of how it's, it's been reduced to so much talk about who goes to the playoff, so much emphasis being on that. Uh, I think it's just, I think it's changed everything. And uh, you know, we were talking about Marvin Harrison, you know, 30 yards receiving against Indiana, 30 something yards against Notre Dame. And he's a Heisman candidate, nothing wrong with that, but, you know, it, it's just, it's totally changed. I don't know exactly when, but it's, it's certainly been in the last few years that is, it has been micro focused on what you do in that last game and that spotlight and everybody waiting for that one play for their quote Heisman moment. I think what's interesting so, to him similar is to that... the NFL, by the way, NFL the last 10 years, MVP is just quarterback on a team with a bye in the playoffs. <laughs> well, at the wooden award is like in college basketball is like predetermined before the season starts. Like it, it, whoever the favorite is, they don't, they almost always win it. But as far as this goes for the Heisman in our sport, it's just been years since I've taken a long shot because of these, this obsession with teams making the playoff. How much does all this change next year? Like how much am I sitting around in February and March because 12 teams are going to make the playoff. Am I thinking maybe it's time for me to take a long shot on somebody that can make the playoff that that's going to be a real big decision to make before next season. Good point. And then, if you and then we're going to get about, if you hate money and just like are in feeling that you <laughs> want to, you know, burn money, Kyle McCord, two fifty to one. If you want <laughs> to just throw, throw away some money. 
Colin, to close your point, and then we're going to get the, this guy won the Heisman and then got upset in the first round of the 12 team playoff. That's what we're going to eventually going to get. So yeah, they, I don't know how much better it, it really could be. And speaking of better, um, I guess you could say it's pretty good for Jimbo Fisher. He doesn't have to work for uh, $70 million. That ain't bad. Uh, Texas A&M, Brett, you said it a couple weeks ago. What's the price of oil? Well, they figured it out. It, uh, it sounds like oil's doing pretty well. Um, so Jimbo gets fired there. Colin, you're an SEC guy. I'll let you get the first bite at this. What do you think? What do you make of all this? It's just fascinating. I, I love just refreshing Twitter over and over on all the stories, all the angles on it. I, I think it's amazing the kind of summer I had. I had lunch with Bo Nix at Pac-12 Media Days, and I was the first person to get to ask Jimbo Fisher a question at SEC Media Days, which he dodged, <laughs> got uncomfortable, and started tripping over his words. Kind of a big deal. I, I mean, it was inevitable. Absolutely inevitable. You had to let Bobby Petrino have complete control of this offense, and and uh, I'm not surprised. I mean. The fact that Texas A&M has this money, not surprised. The fact they let him go, I'm not surprised. But I, I think what I am surprised by is this talk out there from people in the media that I, I, some of them I actually respect are saying that Texas A&M is a legit, like, one of the best jobs in college football. I'm not positive I believe that. I mean, I, maybe Brett can speak further to that, but I'm not sure if I was a head coach looking for a job, that would be a place I would want to go, considering, you know, your fight in the, high, in the uh, recruiting pipeline your position with Texas about you're about to diminish because they're joining your league once again. I, I'm not sure this is a job that I would want to have. I'll take it. For, I mean, look, the money they'll be able to throw you. I mean, yeah, there was an o OPEC report that they were, were were concerned about demand, but that they uh, came out and said they're not as worried about demand and oil's been up over the past week. So timing makes sense. Um, but I would take that job. I mean, look, you get so, so much talent, you would get paid. They'll pay you. Well, I mean, but yeah, I mean, from a national title perspective, here's my thing though. Why? you're going to pay him all that money. And I'm going to ask Brett this. Because someone asked me this Alabama fan, a couple of Alabama followers were up for the game in Kentucky. And I met up with them. We were talking college football for a while. And I was, we were talking about Jimbo getting fired. And I said, you know, this is coming after loss. You got to pay him 70 million to just to go away. Why would you do that? Unless you had a guy. And then you, you know, you had who you think you wanted or, or, you know, a handshake agreement on the back end. Oddly enough, over the weekend, Lane Kiffin is talking about how they only signed one five-star. Georgia had 24, and he just needs to coach better because they're at a talent disadvantage. Well, you know who gets a lot of five-stars is Texas A&M. <laughs> uh, Kiffin to A&M? I mean, it feels like that would be a move. Uh, Kiffin staying in the SEC gets more money, more five-stars to work with. Can you see it, Brett? Yeah, Stuck. I mean, I think, you know, the, you look at Kiffin and what he's done. Absolutely. I think A&M will, will consider him. I think they'll look at Dan Lanning because of what he's done at Oregon. But also, just as important, he's familiar with the SEC, having been at Georgia. The thing with A&M, and it's simple, but it's not simple. It doesn't matter who they get. They, the guy just has to win. Like Jeff Trailer at UTSA could be a home run hire there and really succeed, but are they going to want to hire the, the roadrunner coach? You know, how will that look for them? And they're basically, you know, whoever said this is a great job, it's a great job resource-wise, but as far as degree of difficulty, as far as the power five jobs, other than, you know, the bottom of the barrel, but the ones near the top, this is probably one of the tougher ones because you're in the SEC and you're being compared against the success of Georgia, Alabama, LSU, basically they rotate who wins the national title every year. And you haven't, you haven't reached those expectations. Oh, by the way, you left the big 12 conference to get away from Texas. Well, guess what? Now Texas is going to be in your conference next year and Texas may get to the playoff this year. And you guys haven't even won a West division title. You haven't won an SEC title. You haven't won a national title. You've got to empty. What did I say? I wanted to go as Halloween. I wanted to go as Texas A&M empty trophy case. I guess I can wear that again next year. I don't know what they're going to do. The problem or the challenge for Jimbo was being paid all that much money. The expectations were even that much higher. They were unrealistic. And whether that's fair or not, who knows? But they decided to pay him that. And they'll pay the next guy just as much or a little bit more. But ultimately, those expectations led to his downfall. The first and only coach 
to have three teams in the preseason AP top six that finish the year unranked. That's never happened three times to one guy. So they had all these expectations. They've got all these five stars and they can't even, you know, win the SEC West. So somebody's going to take the job. Nobody's going to not take the job and think, Ooh, I can't win there because that's why these guys are coaches. They think they can win anywhere. They'll have plenty of, plenty of candidates. It's just what, what direction they decide to go. I think it would just make, look, you, you mentioned how difficult the job is and I agree, but you know, with the, an equally one of the, the other jobs, it's just as tough. Oh, miss same division, same other teams that you're like, so Kiffin's already doing that now just without the five stars. But so now he gets if, the five stars and he gets twice as much. He gets everything he wants before he asks for it at Texas A&M. At Ole Miss, yeah. he's got to raise money. He's got to do all yeah. this and stuff. And it that gets frustrating for a lot of coaches. Not talking about Kiffin specifically. So you want to go where you have everything uh, at your beck and call. And that, that's Texas A&M. You're in the yeah. one of the two best recruiting states. So I don't think Kiffin – and this is nothing against Ole Miss – Kiffin is not going to finish his career at Ole Miss. He's going to make the jump. And if you ever watch his press conferences, he is Saban. He is like, he's a mirror image of Saban. Obviously, he'd love to go to Alabama. Um, but yeah, Texas A&M, Kiffin would go there in a heartbeat. Yeah, he, I don't think he he's flirted with Auburn. Yet. He flirted with Auburn. Button, yeah. I don't think he's buttoned up enough yet to go to Alabama. I mean, Saban's Maybe not, not but he's working on it. Yeah, he's working on it, but I think the na- a natural next natural step would be AM. And that's what they need. They need a modern offense, not just scheme, but aggression, uh, decision making. And Kiffin can bring that there. Uh, and I think you would get even better offensive recruits than you've been getting, even though you've been getting really good ones. Uh, I just think it would make too much sense for everyone involved. Colin, you were nodding your head. His agent has played Auburn and Arkansas like a fiddle and getting more money. So that's what's going to happen between now and the Egg Bowl. And when Lane Kiffin walks out on the field at the Egg Bowl, all the talk is going to be on him about where are you going after this? What does your day look like after the Egg Bowl? He's not going to answer any of those questions. He was dodging them like crazy last year. So we're never going to know if he's actually going to Texas A&M. But, um, you know, I I was kind of laughing at Brett saying that he's Nick Saban 2.0, which he is. The way he does his hand gestures, the way that he gets grumpy, the way he gets pissed off with Feinbaum and some of the other people that are in media, uh, he is quickly turning into uh, Saban 2.0. But I kind of always thought he'd be long for the Alabama job. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if he takes this, this position at A&M. Hey, Colin, real quick. It's funny how you said you talked to, you talked to Jimbo and – he ended up getting cut loose and, you know, you had all these ties. Rod Gilmore, um, who I worked with at ESPN, he he tweeted at me and said he he called the last game with Zach Arnett and uh, Jimbo Fisher and both coaches got fired. And he goes, I wonder if I had anything to do with it. And then he said, I guess the Arkansas and FIU staffs don't want to hear that this week. So how telling would that be if Rod Gilmore does another game and Maybe not both coaches, but one of the coaches is unemployed after after the weekend. Mike McIntyre is not getting fired. Uh, uh, so I wasn't referring to him. Yeah, so that but, leaves someone else. <laughs> yeah, it's a very things are very interesting at Arkansas right now because you know Hunter Yurichek has a real close personal relationship with Sam Pittman, and and it, when Arkansas decided on Sam Pittman, it was talked about publicly that he was the sixth choice for that job. Like Kiffin's name was number one. Uh, and, and so that's why he got a reduced salary. That's why he was able to bring in Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles, who I believe is also unemployed. Um, and he got to pay them really big, uh, uh, coordinator money. And now Pittman has lost Barry Odom as his defensive coordinator. He probably needed that old head coaching experience to help him manage the roster, help him manage big decisions. He hasn't had that this year. He made a terrible decision as offensive coordinator. And now the athletic director of Arkansas, Hunter Yurichek, is sitting around wondering if I fire Sam, what's the next move? Because these positions are opening up like crazy. I'm going to be in another position where I'm going to take my sixth string on my list of core of head coaches that I want. Now, personally, I would love to go get Jonathan Smith out at Oregon state. We've talked on this show about how there's no spot in the world for Oregon state or for Washington state. And their coaches are good enough to go coach in, you know, one of the other power fives. I would love us to go get a Jonathan Smith, but 
if Hunter Juracek doesn't have the warm fuzzies that he can go get the guy that he wants realistically get the guy because he's been through this before, then he's not going to fire Sam Pittman. And there was the, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette last night said a decision has made, been made on Sam Pittman. It's going to be announced on Monday. No announcement came today. Sam Pittman's walking out there to coach against FIU. Now, whether there's an agreement that he's going to retire at the end of this season, I don't know, but we're not, we're going to be in the same position again. Going to have to go get the sixth string on the athletic director's list. They spent their Monday talking about the Polar Express. That's uh, they kind of got well, tied up. On- well, I've never yeah, seen you know so much during half, uh, during <laughs> the half this week. That was the walk-on room. That's where players that only run through the A and they don't actually play. They just get to dress like a Rudy thing. That's where they hang out. And one of the players turned on Polar Express. And man, the internet has just gone crazy about how this Arkansas team is so unfocused. They're watching Polar. It was the walk-on room. So, and Pittman had a nice long talk with him. But no, it's not a good look. This is the Polar Express. Why do they choose Polar Express? Because they're they're cold against the spread, or I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It's the walk-on uh, room. How would they? They're not even playing. <laughs> I was curious if. Colin, I know he listens to the Pittman Pressers. I, I don't know if he mentioned uh, what movie they would be featuring in the locker room during the half this week. It's, uh, but I guess we'll have to wait till later in the week to find out. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I got to so the next one will be career opportunities with Jennifer uh, Connelly in it. So they'll, they'll have something next week. We'll pursuit see. of happiness. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They, um, I got to say, I kind of, um, part of me applauds A&M in that they kind of do everything a fan wants them to do. Like, hey, just go buy this guy out, figure it out. You know, like it's, it's. Um, build the stadiums, way- build baseball stadiums, build cathedrals. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yankees. So, and, um, but Stucky, listen, Jimbo got paid $7 million, $70 million to not coach. Could I pay you? $70 million to, and, and here's the deal, 70 million, you have to stop tweeting immediately. You have to stop betting immediately and you have to adhere to a normal sleep schedule. That means go to bed at around 11, wake up around eight. Could you do that? No, oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, you, I don't, I don't think there's any, you could, you could give me, you could offer me 10 billion. No, I, my hobby and love is sports. I love betting sports. It's literally my favorite hobby in the world, trying to crack it every week. No, and I already have a couple months off to read books and travel, which is what I like to do. So yeah, there's no there's no amount of money that you could offer me. Absolutely not. If we give you if we give you 20 bucks, will you stop tweeting? <laughs> you'd to, again, you'd have to give me like uh, for that. It's not the tweeting, mm-hmm. it's the it's the it's the betting. Tweeting though, yeah, you have, I mean, I do it for. Like, I think it's the sleeping. I, like, I give you seventy million to get a good night's sleep. They're all tied in together though. Trying to beat betting, you can't really <laughs> sleep. Um, yeah, no, it's a part of who I am. I met my my wife through Twitter. All my help start action because of Twitter. A lot of my friends are came through Twitter. So no, sorry. More power to you, Stuck. Somebody offered me seventy million. It'd be like, where do I sign? Uh, Colin, would you pick up and leave Arkansas for seventy million and stop Ooh. going to Arkansas <laughs> <For free. laughs> softball games and, and whatnot? <laughs> I would he, not. He would pay to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You couldn't pay me enough to leave. I. I truly believe I'm going to retire here uh, and live my golden years here. I, I. You couldn't pay me enough to leave Arkansas. So, uh, but. And 70 million is not enough for what my dream is. My dream is really to own a sports franchise. That would be the ultimate dream job. And 70 million is not even going to get close to buying me a single A baseball team. So, nope, not enough. I'd turn it down. The Arkansas Lakers. Can't wait. (laughs) Brett, I'm with you. You, 7 million. I'll stop doing anything. Seriously. I can be bought. Yeah. Me too. 100%. so on these very airwaves a couple of weeks ago, Stucky said that the ultimate trump card in college football right now 
this was a couple of weeks ago, is held by Texas with a road win at Alabama. So, you know, since then, Brett, at one point, you had Texas number one in your poll a couple of weeks ago, or weeks, weeks back, if you look back in September. Colin, you had him power rated number two at one point. Stucky, is that Trump card still valid? Or is the way that Texas and Alabama have played since then, has that kind of crumbled up the Trump card a little bit? Yes, I do. I, I still think that they have a Trump card over Alabama. And by the way, the SEC, the best SEC non-conference win for the whole conference is arguably Mississippi State against Arizona. Um, they don't have a good non-conference win. So, but if I look at it, what I how I think this is going to play out. Now, look, there's teams that control their own destiny, right? Michigan, Ohio State winner, uh, assuming they don't get upset um, by Minnesota or Iowa or whatever. They're in. Florida State controls its own destiny. You know, they're in. And, and you know, you have Washington controls its own destiny. If they went out, they're in. Uh, and in Georgia, obviously. So if those teams win out, you know, in the winner of Michigan, Ohio State, that's that's your call to allow. There's no arguments. Uh, I don't think Washington is going to win out. Um, and, you know, th- so then it's going to come down to that discussion. And if there's a, you know, th- and the way that I think that it's ultimately going to play out is that you're going to have, if you if Georgia loses to Alabama, Right, because Alabama's out of, out of it, they lose to Georgia. So they'd have two losses. So if Georgia loses to Alabama, I think Georgia's out. Unless there's like complete chaos and a bunch of other teams lose games. But I think Georgia's out. So let's call Florida State in in this scenario. And let's call the winner of Michigan, Ohio State in. And um I think Washington loses to Oregon. And Washington, I think, loses this week anyway, but I think they would lose to Oregon in the Pac 12 championship. And then, so I, I think in that scenario, it's going to be two spots for three teams. One loss, Alabama. One loss, assuming Texas wins the Big 12 and and doesn't lose again. Um, and then one loss, Oregon, that wins the Pac-12 championship. I do not think that you can take Alabama over Texas. So they're going to put Texas in. Texas won at Alabama, and they won the Big 12. And they're going to put Alabama in, and then Oregon would be left out. Um, the Pac-12 is going away anyway. I mean, Oregon's best win, yeah, they don't have any good non-conference wins. Their only top 25 win up to the state is against Utah and their third-string quarterback. Um, so I think that they would, and especially if Washington already has a loss leading up to the Pac-12 title, which I think happens, um, I think in that scenario, yes, Texas still has its trump card, keeps them above Oregon, keeps – Keeps them above Alabama, but the committee will still find a way to get Alabama and both get in. Oregon's left out. Obviously, there's uh, many other scenarios, but that's one that I I think is going to play out as a really good chance of playing out. Um, and in that case, I think both Texas and Bama get in. Oregon is out. Curious to see if, what Brett and Colin think if that were to be the scenario that plays out. I mean, I'll go first because Brett is uh, much more well-versed on what the committee selection committee is going to do versus what I could come up with. But I believe the committee has made a determination that Oregon is ahead of Texas right now at this point because of their slotting at six and Texas at seven. So that's assuming that Oregon wins out, whether Washington loses to Oregon State or they're undefeated and Oregon beats them in, in Vegas, Oregon's the one that gets that slot in there. Texas desperately needs Florida State to lose, whether that's going to happen to Florida, whether that's going to happen to Louisville in the ACC championship game. Uh, it's weird to think that they would have the best win out of anybody against Alabama, but the pecking order right now says that the Pac-12 champ is going to get in, assuming Oregon, Washington don't stay, don't take losses between now and the Pac-12 championship game. They're the ones that get in. If Florida State wins out, they're in. Uh, and I think Stuggy's right though. If Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's going to get bumped. Alabama, you're not going to leave the SEC champion out whatsoever. But how are you not including Texas in that Final Four? considering Texas has a win over Alabama if they're the SEC champion. So it to me, it's wild. Did you have five teams in, Colin? You have five teams in. you got to make a decision. Who's out? Well, I mean, it's not what I want. It's what I think the committee is going to do. And they're never going to turn down an undefeated team. And they're not going to turn down an SEC champion, a one-loss SEC champion. So they're going to bump Georgia and the loser of the game out of there. And then Texas yes, is – then it comes down to Texas or Oregon. And, and right now the committee likes Oregon better than Texas. I mean, if, if, like, if, if they don't like their schedule right now, why is Oregon six and why is Texas seven? Brett, what do you think? 
I mean, Stuck, you're right, and Colin, you're right. The problem with the committee is they're so consistent with their inconsistencies. And even though they have Oregon above Texas right now, they could they could literally flip them Tuesday night for no reason. And you guys, you know, you guys nailed all the points. And when you look at it, if Oregon wins out, they will have top 25 wins against Oregon State and then presumably in the rematch against Washington. By that time, Stuck, Utah could fall out of the top 25, so they wouldn't even be considered as a top 25 win. Texas, the win at Bama, that may be their only top 25 win, depending on who they get in the Big 12 title game. So, But the Bama win would be the most impressive of those. You could compare you know, common opponents. Oregon opened with Texas Tech, won a close game by eight. Texas closes the regular season by Texas Tech. What if Texas beats you know the Red Raiders by two touchdowns or more? That would seem to give more, you know, credibility to Texas, but Colin's right. They've got them behind Oregon right now when they should be above Oregon based on the committee and how they, you know, they they want to rate Ohio State based on the resume, and then they rate Michigan and Georgia based on the eye test, and then they rate Florida State based on resume. So, you don't, you know, they change the rules with every team. Um Bottom line is, in the scenario you said stuck, we've got three undefeated teams, one lost Texas, one lost Oregon, one lost Bama. History says they would choose Texas. However, sources have told me, I've never reported this before, sources have told me if any member of the selection committee does not have an SEC team in the top four and they try to put in that ballot, they are legitimately electrocuted on the spot. So I don't think it's possible not to vote for the SEC in the top four. Well, then electrocute him. No. I'm actually joking, but not joking. But that would be fascinating TV to see what happens if we've got three undefeated and the committee has to pick between one lost Texas, one lost Oregon, one lost Bama, and one lost non-SEC champ Georgia. And all three of those are conference champs, Brett, right? I mean, could Except you... Have... Right. Except yeah. Georgia would not be. Right. Bama loses to Auburn, then beats Georgia. SEC, yeah, they're out. But uh, the what, what I would say though is that I don't I don't think it's gonna be the only top twenty five Texas win. Kansas plays Kansas State this week. Winner of that's in the, I mean they're both in the top twenty five now. Winner of that, but they gotta be, they gotta be in it at the end of the year. That's the key. Thing. I know. I'm I think saying, Kansas... they're both in the top twenty five now. They're gonna get another one of them's getting a win, right? Um, right. But if for instance, if Texas beats whoever they beat in the Big Twelve title game, and that knocks that team out of the top twenty five. As stupid as it is, they don't get credit for beating a top 25 team, even though they just beat them and knocked them out of the top 25. But yeah, they yeah. could get one more, but at max, it's going to be somebody in the 20 to 25 range. I, I And I would say, though, that I, I think that you could see the committee jump Texas over Oregon this week. And it wouldn't be for no reason. Like, Oregon's a 23-point favorite. Texas yeah. is a touchdown favorite on the road. It's like the Texas would have yeah, another, I, a better win. So like it would be an that. excuse, Doc. I think if they did that, it would basically be admitting we screwed up last week and we should have had Texas ranked above Oregon. And they have done that in the past. They did it with Mississippi State and Michigan State several years ago in a final ranking. Neither team played a game and they flipped them. And what it did is it impacted who went the Orange Bowl. All they all they did is they admitted they made a mistake the previous week. I could see that happening with Texas and, and Oregon. Yeah. There you go. Just as we get ready here for, uh, we're going to do Stumper and then Maction to close us out. But first, BBOC is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if, you're, if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, it's that time. Brett, you're back. We had a miraculous tie with Calabrese running it last week. It was a a brain buster that all came. No, excuse me. It wasn't a tie. Uh, you got nothing. Clean. Don't try to give yourself yeah. points. You had zero points. <laughs> I was thinking of the week before we had that tie after all that work. You're trying was, to forget uh, about last week. Yeah, we had that yeah, tie. We, we flushed it. We're on the next Two week. Weeks we ago. Yeah, I got goose egged. So I like your questions better than Calabrese's. All right. That, that was like the NBA's in-season tournament. Nobody understands why they're doing it or why they <laughs> did it. So we'll forget about it. It may sound easy but it will test your head and your mind and your brain. 
too. There you go. I don't claim to be no 36 ACT now. This week's source is Stumper, America's favorite game show. First off, scoreboard update since it's been a while. Stucky uh, leading the pack, 19 points. Colin and Tim tied at 15. Um, you know, there's been a development the past couple weeks, uh, you know, with with a heavy heart. We had to acknowledge that Brian Ferentz is no longer going to be Iowa's offensive coordinator. And it's because for several reasons, but also the well-known 25-point average that he had to maintain, he never did quite make that. I'm going to list you guys right now some football teams. You need to just simply tell me, yes or no, are they averaging more than 25 points a game this season? After you each answer, I'll tell you who got the correct answer, and we'll go from there. Um, Stucky, you're you're leading. You go first. Call and then Tim. All right, first team up. Stuck, Arkansas. Over or under twenty five points a game this year? I feel like you're tricking me, but under. Colin, wait, wait, under twenty five? You said? Yeah, over or under twenty five? They're under. I'm gonna say yeah. After last week too, they got to be under. I'm gonna go under. They're probably like closer to twenty one. I'm gonna go. Okay, under. Tim. I'd say under two. It's probably real close. Uh, you guys are 0 for 3. They're averaging 26.1. Arkansas? Boston College. Stuck? How is Arkansas averaging over 25? That's. <laughs> Can I check your math on that? <laughs> I mean, they, they they haven't scored a touchdown in Razorback Stadium in, like since BYU, I think. I mean, it's. I want to check the math. Otherwise, we can. They scored. 56 right, in the Arkansas. opener, 28, 31, 31, 23, 20, 21, 38, 10, 26.1. They've scored 261 points this year. 258, is that what you said? 261. All they have to do is get over 250. I is math so hard. Okay, stand correct. All right, that's all right. You guys are 0 for 3. Uh, Boston College. Stuck, you're up. And I... We're all going to, we go through, we all give the answers, right? Yeah, and then I'll tell you who's got it and who did okay. after each team. So I don't, I don't want to add context to what I'm saying if it helps. Boston College, under, it's 25 points. 25.0, over or under. Did you hit your head or something? I'm going to say BC is over. Colin? Over. Tim? The problem is that Georgia Tech game where they scored a bunch of points. I don't think it's enough under. Stucky and Colin, you are correct. Boston College averaging 26.4. Surprising. NC State. Stuck? They've won some bullshit games. I'm going to say under. Under. Tim? Do I do I go for the point here? <laughs> Over. Tim, you went for the point and uh, you missed the point. Uh, they are under 24.6 points for the Wolfpack. Stucky and Colin. You have a point in weeks. I'm, uh, I'm Iowa. I am the question. Three, uh, three, three teams left. The Houston Cougars. Stuck? Oh, that's a really good one because they just, they either vomit or score a bunch. Um, I'll go under. Under. Tim? Oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> 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 Give me the point. More scoring than vomit. Over. Uh, more vomit, Tim. They are under 24.1. <laughs> Damn, it's not all good. NC State, four points shy of averaging 25 points a game. Houston, nine points shy from averaging 25 points a game. Uh, we, we only got two left. We'll put you out of your misery. The Cincinnati Bearcats. Stuck? That's another good one. Would you think he was going to give Washington? Like, yeah. No. no, I mean, like, that they just, they're, South they're bad, but they've scored a lot sometimes. Uh, I'll say over. Yeah. On? Imagine what their point total would be if they didn't fumble all the time in the red zone. Uh, definitely, I'm going over. Tim? I hate this game. Okay. It I hates you too. Doing, yeah, I actually believe this is over. All three of you are correct. 25.2 points. The Mighty Bearcats. They average more than 25 points because of two points. There you go. And the final one, we go out west. Sorry, it's not USC I'm looking for. It is the Utah Utes. Tim, you go first this time. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. Okay. So he doesn't just try to steal. Under. 
Colin, go ahead. I'm going under. I, I cannot see a world where Utah's averaging more than 25 points a game. All right, Stuck, you going for the points or are you going for what you really think? See, I'm going to say over, and I think what pro- it's probably barely over, and it's probably because of the last few weeks. They scored 56 against Arizona State. That's massive. That's like... You Weren't know, they like high 30s against USC? Yeah, they scored, what, 28 last week against Washington. I'm going to go over. Yeah, can we go back around? Uh, no, you can't, Tim. Stuck, you're right. 25.3, they made it by three points. They are over. So after today's little go around, uh, Stucky, you're at 23 points, Colin 18. Tim, you're at 16. We've got one more, a three-point bonus. Tim, since you you can go first, Colin, you go second. Stucky, you go third. I am looking for, we mentioned the 25-point total. There's 133 FBS schools. How many are not averaging 25 points a game? Of the 133 teams, how many are not averaging 25 points a game? Whoever is closest, three-point bonus. Tim, what's your guess? I don't even know what a good number would be. I will go 29. 29. Stuck? I mean, excuse me, Colin? 71. Now, is is Stuck going to try to middle this, or is he going to actually do a legitimate guess? I mean, the the problem it's way more than twenty nine. Uh, like the hundred scoring <laughs> offense in the country doesn't average over twenty five points. Um, but I don't think that there's seventy. There's not. I don't think there's more than half that average over twenty five. So, like my legitimate guess is that it's probably somewhere in the middle. Just say seventy and get it over with. I'll say my first my first guess is going to be I thought eighty teams do. So I was going to say like fifty three, but I'll say fifty five. Uh, the correct answer is fifty one. Wow. There you go, stuck. Nearly 40% of all FBS teams would have been fired if they were working at Iowa. So our uh, see, our thoughts and prayers to Brian Ferentz. See, that's that's what got me is the idea that I thought it was, you know, so historic that he couldn't even get to 2025. 20, you know, that was – did he pay you for that question? Because that was like – you could be his lawyer with that. Uh, I, yeah, I can be bought, but no, I was not bought for this – for this specific segment. But if you'd like to buy me, please uh, contact our sponsor. But yeah, I mean, that's what's so crazy about this this point total thing is, you know, 40% of the teams in the FBS wouldn't have hit the number anyway. Okay, you guys, hold your nose. Maction. We got three games on Tuesday, two games on Wednesday. Colin, lead us with a pick, and we'll go to that game. And do you have a do you have a Tuesday pick? Yeah, let's do uh, let's do Western Michigan plus five against Northern Illinois. These two teams have been completely different the last couple of weeks since midweek action started. Northern Illinois has been horrific. Did not show up against Central Michigan in the snow whatsoever. Was beaten by a Ball State team last week. They can't even make a bowl game. Northern Illinois is getting smoked in the first half of these games, and they cannot respond. They have been terrible on defense in passing downs. They have a pretty good success rate in standard downs, but they've been terrible in passing downs. And now they have Jalen Buckley and this Western Michigan offense coming in who's just firing on all cylinders right now. Their ground game runs inside zone uh, just an unbelievable amount, and Northern Illinois cannot defend – inside zone one of the worst in the nation so give me jalen buckley and western michigan and give me the five points stucky um unless you have a pick on that game uh give me a wednesday or excuse me a tuesday pick yeah i'm gonna jinx myself i've won going, going back to last year i've won 14 straight midweek matching bets um so i wanted to throw the jinx out there before the end of the season <laughs> mainly because someone brought it up and tried to jinx me um so i'm gonna try and reverse jinx it but uh i one thing to keep in mind, Toledo Bowling Green. Toledo's a 10-point favorite there. Bowling Green's star running back, Terion Stewart. He's hurt high ankles for him. We don't know if he'll play. His backup, Terion Keith, who's who's their leading receiver. He had an amazing game last week. He got hurt at the end of the game. He's a game-time decision. If neither of them can play, uh, I think Toledo can blow them out here. Toledo's not playing for anything. They've already clinched the title in the MAC championship. Uh, excuse me, clinched a spot in the MAC championship. But this is a big rivalry game. And Bowling Green beat them last year. Um so uh, I think Toledo will show up here. And if they don't have Keith and Stewart in that backfield, I just don't know how Bowling Green will move the ball. 
But uh, my favorite bet of the week is uh, why not? And the reason I wanted to bring up my streak is because it's probably going to end because I'm betting Akron. Uh, I like <laughs> Akron. Anything over a field goal. Eastern Michigan is dreadful. I mean, this this team is so bad. I have a lot of respect for Chris Creighton. Their special teams are good. They don't make they don't beat themselves, which is a problem. Akron special teams are horrendous. But this is a bottom five offense. These are I have Eastern Michigan as a bottom five team right now. Akron also is a bottom five team overall. And DJ Irons is hurt. But guess what? The best unit in this game will be the Akron defense. And the Akron defense is playing well. I mean, last week they were, I mean, they completely shut down Miami of Ohio. And the best player on Akron, now they have a couple of talented receivers, George and company. You know, you don't have Irons at quarterback, so it's tough, but, you know, they can make a couple of plays. But the best player on the field will be uh, Lorenzo Linger, the running back for uh, Akron, a former Florida transfer. And Eastern Michigan can't defend the run. So I think Linger could break a couple long runs, and um, I, I trust this Akron defense, which has been pretty good, and they've been put in so many compromised situations by the offense. But the Eastern Michigan offense is horrendous. It's so bad. So anything over a field goal, I like Akron on the road in yes. the MAC. What could go wrong? I'm looking at Eastern Michigan uh, minus four and a half right now is what I see. Brett, do you have a note on the Tuesday Maction games over there? Uh, Tim, I prefer to give my losing picks exclusively on Saturday's show, so I will pass. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Colin, care to clean up Tuesday? Is that uh, was that your only pick? No, I agree. I just I, Western Michigan for me. I agree with Stucky. I'm waiting on the news from Bowling Green. Bowling Green's defense has zero answer for Penny Boone. It's really a matter of does Toledo want to run this game out? I mean, they have such a huge lead in the MAC division. They're playing in the MAC championship. I don't know. It, we're going to find out, but I, I agree with Stuck. If they're not, if they don't have their their skill position players back for this game, then it's going to be a route pretty fast. Yeah, Bowling Green's run these bad, as Colin alluded to, and that's not good against uh, Toledo. I love Maxion. I love Maxion. <laughs> All right, Wednesday it is. We have Central Michigan at Ohio and Buffalo at Miami. Um, Stucky, do you have a pick on either of these two games? Yeah, I would. People are going to get, probably get maybe get cute with Central Michigan. I, they're playing a little better and Ohio's offense is abysmal. They have no explosiveness, but uh, they're, they like operate in a phone booth. Basically they don't have any, they lost uh, their two most explosive receivers from last year and they have nothing downfield and they hand it to Ocean and Allison way too much. And it makes their run game inefficient. They missed their best offensive lineman Megarvey from last year too. You know, this is a game where they might be able to move it in a phone box in a phone booth against central Michigan. The Ohio defense is still, Pretty damn good. So I don't know. I'm pretty close to market there. Uh, I'm actually interested in Buffalo. Believe it or not, three and seven Buffalo can get to the MAC championship. Um, the only they just need to win out, and they need Miami, Ohio, Ohio, and Bowling Green to lose out, but uh, which is not happening. But um, they're still alive mathematically. I'm I'm putting out a piece on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app going through all the scenarios for every team. The two of the most shocking things that I found out: Buffalo is still mathematically alive, and we could still get a big 12 championship game that features Texas tech and Iowa state. Um, there is a, a path to that big 12, by the way, could finish in an eight way tie. That also could happen. Um, for first, place. This, tie, this podcast loves tiebreakers. Yeah. Eight way tie. And it would be Kansas versus either Texas or Kansas state, depending on which game Oklahoma state lost, but more realistically, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma, they're all that way. They have easy games coming up. Um, Anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. Shocker. But, uh, yeah, Buffalo's still alive. Miami of Ohio, their defense is really good. But this offense, uh, without Gabbert, it's not great. And Laverdeen, their number one receiver, he got hurt at the end of last game. i got to check his status. But Buffalo, they just, they're just they just pesky, and they're annoying. And this game should be lower scoring. So getting over a touchdown, uh, I'll be on the Bulls here. Yeah, make sure you follow Stucky in the Action app as well. Um, Brett, how many pa pa Mac schools have you been to? Covered games at I I don't believe I've co I've covered a basketball game I've covered basketball games at Northern Illinois and Ball State do not believe I've covered a football game in the Mighty Mac Colin what do you have on Wednesday not much I am kind of waiting the Ohio number intrigues me because I think there is value on it right now I think it's going to steam before we get to kickoff but at the same time Ohio has not scored more than 20 points since October 7th so it might be hard to cover a double digit spread when it's been so long. 
Curtis Rourke is a little bit out of funk. Sam Wiggles is on the back of a milk carton right now. We haven't seen him do anything in a box score in a number of weeks. The defense is playing lights out, but this team, this offense is just not scoring whatsoever. So totals probably a little bit too low on the other side of 48 where I would want to take an under, but uh, I don't know. I think Ohio is going to take an Ohio over right now. Just don't I'm, No, I wouldn't take an over, but no, I'm just, I'm talking to the listeners like yeah. until further notice. Yeah. So I, I think if you can get it at 10 or better, but I'm not sure that I would play it any higher than that because Ohio is having problems scoring uh period over the last month. I have a correction. I did cover a game football game at Northern Illinois. Well done. Good episode. Enjoyed it. That'll do it for us on this episode of BBOC presented by BetMGM. Podcast returns Wednesday morning with Mike Calabrese and Mike Ionello for their group of five deep dive before Colin and Stucky's big betting preview episode out late Thursday. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time here on Big Bets on Campus. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.